0: So let me ask this question to kind of get the brain juices flowing Our warm-up question for the morning What's something that you're currently changing in your life? I'm going to give you eight seconds to think about it Something that you're working on that you're currently changing in your life On purpose, by intention Something's going on Hair color? (laughs) And other deeply spiritual answers will be forthcoming Alright, what else? What's something that, that, that you're actually trying to change in your life? Who's got? Who's got answers? Child behavior, Child behavior <laughs> says. Says the mother of the one-year-old. Uh, what else? Attitude. Attitude. Trying to change your attitude. You're going from good to bad, or? No. Listening skills. Listening skill. What? Listening skills. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I think you should I think you should improve on your sarcasm cuz you're missing mine. Yeah, totally. How long have we know each other, Barb? I know. Uh, what else? Those are good answers. Blood what else? Pressure. Uh-huh. Blood pressure. <laughs> those of us those of us who are crested 50 are starting starting to think about uh, changing our blood pressure, uh, which may involve changing some other aspects of our life. That's a good one. It's one of those keystone ones for health. What else? follow through, yeah because we say at Blue Water (laughs) discipleship is follow through, that's right, that's good Uh, some of you should change your familiarity with Blue Water Proverbs alright, one more answer, who's got the best answer, who's got a good one? everything we're just just doing a revamp, A to Z you just what? You just moved here, Uh, yeah. (laughs) All right, everybody, everybody, say aloha. (laughs) So glad you moved here because, frankly, we need a lot of help, and it's like we're, we're counting on you is is the thing. We're we're counting on you. Yeah, no pressure. Um, but, but life uh, involves uh, changing seasons, uh, doesn't it? I was thinking about this this morning. H- Hawaii is one of those places where people go when they need a life change, right? Yes. Uh, coastal cities, and in our, in our case, island, island states. Um, and I think there's some advantage in that. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. We'll talk about the skill, the skill of life change, uh, which is a skill that um, all uh, Jesus Followers and indeed spiritual travelers uh, need to master. We're uh, finishing up uh, this week and next the sermon series that we've been in on how to finish well in life. Uh, We've been talking about how to finish well uh, in life with God, of course. We have so many years on this earth and we want to run the race successfully, which means to run it every year of our life and cross the finish line uh, without collapsing short of it. Uh, essentially what we wanna do is we wanna make it into eternity, right? Uh, but we wanna have what Jesus called heavenly treasures when we get there. And that, uh, that means that we have to have lived life relatively well uh, along the way. And we've talked about different skills that we need in order to finish well in life. We talked about how we need to be good navigators. We need uh, to uh, have some facility with, you know, the practical uh, advice of scripture Uh, wisdom handed down to us through the ages, but also we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit in real time. Uh, And that's really what Jesus models for us. He understood himself through scripture. He understood himself through things that the Holy Spirit told him in real time. We need to be listening. Uh, This life is about ministry. We say at Blue Water, life is ministry. That's what the purpose of this life is for. We wanna be salt and light in the world. And to finish well, we need to minister unceasingly in our lives. Every week of your life, you should be ministering. You should be influencing someone for the good toward, toward God. And uh, it's a heck of a skill to master. We want to grow in competence through life. When we are aged, we want to be more skilled at all important things than we were when we were young, uh, which sounds like a really simple observation. But if you start breaking it down and thinking through it, it becomes a very powerful observation. Uh, The best ministry tip I know to keep your ministry life fresh is to always be gathering at least one person you know into the kingdom of God. The unpopular word for that is evangelism. sounds so oppressive. Uh, Slightly more politically correct words might be gathering or sharing, but we do want to be spreading the light. We do want to be spreading the love and the knowledge and the experience of Christ in the world Always have one person with whom you are in personal relationship that you're trying to gather in. And if you do that, um, your unceasing ministry uh, tends to go pretty well. That's my best pro tip. Uh, We want to develop the ability to not conform because the world is always trying to get us to conform. I've seen these last few years have been crazy in that respect. So you have to develop the skill of being a nonconformist. We need to be savages. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who take it by force, which is an attitudinal thing, right? Uh, We want to be aggressive. We need to be able to push through. We need to be warriors uh, because there are great battles against us, and the enemy's trick is to get us to not fight. He doesn't try to beat us per se. He just tries to get us to not fight, kind of surrender. You want to develop a skill of making yourself behave, partly that's going to be self-discipline, and where you lack self-discipline, you're going to want to build some external discipline in your life, you want a a discipleship community or some routines and institutions that will help you. Um, We uh, talked about enduring relationships because life is so relational. You want relationships that endure, but you also want the ability to endure the relationships you have. Uh, and those are uh, two separate but very complementary skills. We talked about that, and last week we talked about managing expectations and disappointments um, because, um, more than anything else, I think, people's faith gets wrecked on the reef of life disappointment. Uh, And so you need wisdom and strength um, when it comes to uh, managing expectations. As Christians, we're always called to have great expectations And yet we know disappointment come. We can't detach, right? We can't just transcend life. You have to expect good. That's what faith is about. But it it, it doesn't always come in the way that that you think. All right, today we're going to talk about how to change. And then that's kind of all the skills. Next week I'll do a wrap-up sermon, and that's it for this sermon series. How to change. We're going to talk about how to renew yourself. How to renew and update life because on occasion in life, you will need to do that, because the race is long. Uh, and if you're going to make it through the long race, you're going to have to master this skill of change and renewal. If you don't renew from time to time, things get old fast. If you don't renew, things get old fast. We were talking about health over 50. Uh, pursuant to that comment by that young woman in the back who couldn't possibly be over 50, Um, but who brings up the topic. Um, I'm over 50, and one of the things I've noticed is that if I don't change my fitness regimen through the decades, I don't get get fit. Like when I was 20 years old, I didn't need to worry about fitness very much. At 50 years old, things change. Can I hear an amen? Amen! It's like the biggest amen we've had for... Several weeks at Blue Water Mission. <laughs> burns up here crying about justice for human trafficking survivors. We're like, you're like over 50, you get fat. Amen! <laughs> I don't think our heart, our heart might be misplaced this morning. But you need to adapt, right? Why? Because your body changes. So if you want one thing in your life to be unchanging, health and fitness, then other parts of your life need to be changing, right? Your routines need to be changing, your rest, your diet, and stuff like that. Uh, and and that's, that's, really, that's really the wisdom. If you want the important things to not change, then you have to be willing to change uh, the other things. Um, stats show, uh, back in the day, I used to be social scientist, political scientist. I'm into stats, and social stats in particular. Stats show that most of us will do major job changes seven times. In our, in our working life. Millennials, we think, will have to change jobs over 20. Yeah, so good luck. But we all, we all understand that, right? It's because the world is changing so fast, technology is changing so fast, and the job, the job you have today won't even exist uh, 10 years from now. Uh, studies show that millennials change jobs every 2.3 2. years. Uh, They change jobs. Um, Most of us in my generation will have moved uh, residents 12 times in our life. Uh, I moved 12 times by the time I was 10. Um, But uh, most of you my age uh, will move uh, towns, cities, 12 times in the course of your life in in America. Uh, That's how it works. And here's here's an interesting stat. Most of us will gain 10 pounds per decade. We put, we put on one pound every year we live after the age of 20. Until you, know, there's, there's a, you top out sometime in, your, sometime in your late 50s, you tend to, tend to top out. So just give a little side-eye to the people next to you. It's like, oh, yeah, I, 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 I think you were two pounds. I think, yeah. But it's hard, right? Uh, that, that lifestyle is hard. Um, uh, change is, is the constant uh, in our bodies, change is the constant in our lifestyle. And Jesus uh, is very clear that change is the constant in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven on earth, which was Jesus' main teaching topic. He talked about this thing called the kingdom of heaven on earth, or the order of heaven brought to earth uh, by those of us who follow him. And Jesus stressed time and time again in a number of different teachings that the kingdom of heaven on earth in which we live is ever changeful, is constantly changing, constantly reshaping and, and growing. At the core of it, there are, of course, unchanging truths and reality. But in the practice of it, change is constant. Uh, one famous teaching that he gives the, really right toward the beginning of of what was the earliest gospel mark is uh this teaching uh, about new wineskins, and i bet uh, a lot of you uh, know this when jesus started ministering the religious community of his day uh, took umbrage took offense at a lot of what he was doing one they couldn't explain his miracles but he was saying things like the kingdom of heaven is near which they had never heard before and he wasn't teaching in uh, the regular way his way of teaching was challenging. It was filled with questions. It was filled with insights and uh, made people actually think about God rather than just doing their routines. And, and so they were questioning him constantly about, uh, why don't you fast like the proper disciples do? Why don't you fast regularly like the proper disciples do? Why do you do miracles on the Sabbath day? You know, Because that's a day of rest and like, all these silly controversies. Uh, He responded to them once famously by saying, "'No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. "'If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, "'making the tear worse. "'And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. "'If he does, the wine will burst the skins, "'and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined.'" No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. So what Jesus was doing here is telling a parable that borrowed upon experiences that would would have been very common and well-known in his day. Patching clothes. Very few of us patch clothes these days because it's cheaper to buy new clothes in our consumer society. Um, But if, uh, if you put a new piece of cloth, imagine like cotton cloth, on an old garment and then throw it in the wash. The new piece of cloth is going to shrink with the heat, right? Uh, And kind of tear the stitches that you used. The old piece of cloth won't stretch. The new piece of cloth will. uh, And you'll get a tear right where you wanted to fix one. So that's what that's about if you're not up on the ancient technology. And then there's the new wineskin one, which is, which is even more fun. Uh, what, what they would do is they would pour grape juice into leather pouches, and then they would seal the pouches, and then they would set it aside for a, a good long time, and the grape juice would ferment, right? That's how alcohol gets created. High school chemistry, anybody? Um, and then uh, as uh, it fermented, uh, it would release gas as one of the byproducts of fermentation, and that would cause the sealed leather pouch to expand like a balloon. Now, if it was new leather, fresh, it would be elastic enough to expand with the gas. But if it was old, brittle leather dried out, when the gas expanded, the leather could not cope with it and it would just burst at the seams and all the wine would pour out and uh, you wouldn't be able to party on Friday. Um, and so, This is kind of a well-known technology, so Jesus was saying, look, I'm bringing some new ideas, some new teachings. Really what he was doing is bringing a new way of life. That's what he was doing. And if you're not willing to expand your life, you're not gonna be able to contain it. In fact, it's gonna cause destruction and damage. So you gotta be flexible. You gotta be willing to expand your brain a little bit. Even that word repent, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That was Jesus' uh, initial message in Mark chapter 1. Repent, is, uh, at least in the Gospels, is a Greek word that literally means, uh, it's metanoia, it's to, it's to think new, right? To update your thinking, to update your mind, to expand your mind. That's literally what repentance means. Now, uh, we assume that when you change your mind, you'll also change some of your behaviors, but it was initially a thought update, right? A new perspective, a new way of seeing things. Jesus was constantly preaching this. It's like, look, you want to keep up with God on the earth, you got to be expansive, right? you got to, you got to change, people. You don't have all the answers. You're not doing the right things. You have not grown as much as you need to grow. You have not renewed in the way that you need to uh, renew. Do you want to throw away all of the old ideas, all of the core truths? No, you don't. And uh, a, a verse that some of us studied at our Ohana groups this week, our small groups from Matthew chapter 13. Uh, also a parable, but it's like a one-line parable uh, that Jesus gives, uh, Matthew 13, 52. Uh, he's kind of having a similar conversation to the one that he was having with religious critics in Mark chapter 2. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven and what it's like and how surprising it can be and how challenged it can be and how new it can be. And he said to them, Therefore, every, every teacher of the law, every, every religious teacher, every church teacher, if you will, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Right, so there are things, old truths, reliable insights that you want to hold on to. There is a God. God is good. Jesus is His son. His teachings are reliable. You know, um, those are things that we always bring out of our treasure room, our storeroom. But there are always going to be new things that you bring out as well. If you're a teacher. Um, if you're leading the people, if you're telling them how to live, you're going to have to bring out new insights, new challenges, new ways, new experiences. And Jesus was certainly a new experience to the people in his day. He was a walking, talking new experience, a new encounter with God. And that characterizes what life with God is supposed to be like, right? Old, sure, tried and true, trustworthy things and an endless parade of new experiences and renewals. Um, Always something new to mix in uh, with the things that, that you trust. Why, is my question. Why is life like that? Why is the kingdom of heaven on earth like that? Well, here's a couple quick down and dirty answers. Number one, because time happens. Right? For all of us, for everybody in the world, time passes uh, and that brings changes quite naturally. Seasons turn, we get older, uh, people move, we get new jobs. Right? There's, just, there's always going to be change at some pace in every human life and you have to keep up, you have to keep up. There is something in the human condition that rebels against that you know, that we all crave permanence. Uh, The Old Testament prophet says, the Lord has set eternity in our hearts. We all crave the great unchanging, you know, and we can kind of grasp for that falsely in this life. We want to settle down. We want to get things settled in life. Good luck. Good luck with that. Uh, You will never, never pull it off perfectly, and probably less now than it ever has been in, in human history. So you know, time passes, but also, this life is not the permanent one. This is our larval stage. That's that's basic, Bible, right? That's basic. Uh, Jesus teaching right there there is another life to come there is an eternity to come and right now we live in this cage of temporality of impermanence um, and uh, this is sort of a if you will kind of a, a staging ground or a proving ground or a testing ground for what comes next this is where we develop into the creature uh, that we will be born as in the next life we are you know gestating I'm using all sorts of different analogies to say the same thing but you get it right? You get it. And uh, we have an identity in this life. Identity has been such a loaded word these past four years especially. You know, We've just engaged new frontiers in identity politics. And it's like sexual identity, gender identity, and political identity, and racial identity, and class identity, and we're talking about all of those things in, in a huge way. And Jesus kind of cuts through all of that. And he says, your identity is as a child, right? Little children. Jesus would always refer to his crowd like little children. He'd say, suffer the children to come unto me. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you got to be like one of them. All right. Our identity is as kids. He uh, famously referred to God as father, Abba, daddy, uh, the word means in in Aramaic, he called father "daddy." That was a Jesus revolution. Nobody did that before he came. But he really wanted us to understand that we're children. Okay. So, what's the core of a child identity? The core of a child identity is innocence. Innocence? Well, let me ask the Let me ask the mother of the one-year-old. In, innocence? Misbehaving? Misbehaving? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Both and, both and. But there's a charm to it. Uh, the core identity of a child, I, I think, is, is, is change. Because no one-year-old expects, expects to be the same at two. No two-year-old should expect to be the same at four. If you are the same today as you were when you were 13, you are one messed-up human. <laughs> right? At a certain point, right, the pace of your growth might, might level out a little bit. At least your physical change uh, will level out a little bit. But children expect to be learning and changing and advancing, growing all the time. That's what defines a kid. And therefore, children have no presumption of permanence. Right? They don't presume that they have all the answers. And therefore, they kind of just ask questions and receive freely and kind of trust vulnerably and update quickly. Right? Update. And that's what Jesus was saying. It's like, no, be like that. You know, be like a kid. You're just kind of changing through life. Every year you're going to be taller. You're going to fill out a little bit, so to speak, right? Whether it be physical or otherwise, we we have that identity. Jesus was always on about this. I was reflecting this week about one of those entirely unique phenomena it's entirely unique to Christianity Christianity is the only world religion if you want to call it a religion only world faith system that has seasons of revival right every christian has heard that term revival right what what do you think when i say the word revival change change that's good you've been listening <laughs> re-commitment. recommitment yeah empowerment, empowerment. None of you have a historical answer, so I thought you were going to say tent meetings, mass evangelism, right? Correction, sure, mass repentance. But every once in a while, over the last 2,000 years, the the capital C church, as, as Vern said in her announcement, just revives in a way that it is globally noticeable, right? Entire countries will kind of come back to God sometimes. Tens of thousands of people will just sort of repent publicly for like no apparent reason. like people spend their lives studying how mass revivals happen uh, in the world. Um, but I look at it as sort of a, I mean, it's, it's sort of a mass renewal. Jesus predicted this in his teachings on the kingdom. He said the kingdom is going to be constantly renewing, constantly updating, and every once in a while, it just kind of turns into a mass movement. Right, But for every individual, you know, there are seasons of revival as well. Every once in a while we just sort of get it concerted. Um, here's how I would put it. Uh, Christian, well, two things that make Christianity uh, really unique in the world. One is history of revival, and the other is our unchanging orthodoxy, if you'll pardon a fancy word, Christianity for the past 2,000 years has basically remained unchanged in its beliefs. That is not true of, say, Buddhism. That is not true of Hinduism. That's not true of um, uh, Islam. You know, Islam's only been around for 700 years, six or 700 years or so. There's been great drift in doctrine, uh, but the core of Christianity is the same as it was in the first century. Why? I think it's because we're willing to flex on everything else. Right? Like, in order to not change some things, we have to renew, change, update, and revive all the other things. Are you following me? And this is the pattern of the kingdom of God. If you want to not change the most important things in your life, you need to get really good at changing all the support things. You got it? And I think that's what Jesus meant when he was saying, you bring out the old with the new. Bring the old with the new. I think there's a powerful life principle here for those of us who want to finish well. We want to run the whole race. You have to figure out what you absolutely cannot change. (laughs) Right? You know, hold to the truths and to the belief and to the faith. And to do that, you have to develop the skill of updating all the other stuff in your life. What other stuff? Well whatever can be changed, you will probably need to change at some point. You get into trouble if you mix those two. If you are unwilling to update something that should be updated, then what happens is you will start to lose your grip on what should never change. And that's how you fail. That's how you die, spiritually. You start to give up. Unchanging truths of God in the kingdom because you don't want to give up something that you should. Like, I don't know, maybe a troubling relationship or a behavior uh, that has become addictive or you cave into peer pressure. I mean, there's plenty of that in the world today coming at us from every angle, right? You update in order to go with the crowd and you find yourself losing your grip on stuff that two years ago, you would have sworn you'd never lose your grip on. I'm being a little bit vague, but one of the things I've seen over the past three years is that happened again and again to people. It sort of caved to peer pressure. And now, well, I'm not really sure if I think the same about Jesus anymore. You know, Um, they updated the wrong piece of their life. And we've talked about that battle. Um, To stay the same, you have to change. To stay the same, you have to change. Are you following me? I know it's a weird way to say it. But to stay the same, uh, you have to change. And I think that applies to all of us. If you are a seeker, you're just starting life out, you're just trying to figure out God for the first time, you're sort of nosing around, seeing what you think about this Jesus thing, well, you're right there on that cusp of change. And your decision is, well, if you want to continue to seek with integrity, you might have to change a lot of your life to accommodate Jesus, to accommodate life with God. And that's going to be the equation of the decision in front of you. Are you willing to change your life in order to continue to be the seeker that you like being? We call that repentance generally. Update your mind. Have a new thought. If you are a veteran... You will probably have already gone through several seasons of renewal and change in your life. I mean, we're all changing a little bit all the time, but you know, seasons where it's like, "Ooh, I'm going to move to Hawaii, you know, and just start a whole new thing, um, whether it's a geographic move or a professional move or a huge relational move or just a spiritual revolution, right? There are seasons in which you just have to, you have to do it. And, Why? Because there's something going on in you you don't want to lose hold of. There's something going on in you you don't want to change. And so you're going to have to grow up over here. You're going to have to let go over here. Alright, clap once if you're following me. I think I've explained the concept as best I can, which might not be very well. Uh, But... uh but I wonder how many of us are in those seasons of, of change right now where we're kind of in that place. right? To not change something important, I've got to change a lot that is somewhat uh, less important. And some of us are going through seasons of change naturally. Uh, Sonia and I were at um, one of many uh, high school graduation parties that we've been at recently. <laughs> uh, we're graduating a lot of seniors uh, from, from Blue Water uh, with, you know, with, with the Yamamoto's family. Um, uh, to whom our children have grown up with. Um, and we were all sitting at a table at this party. It was, I called it the empty nester table, uh, <laughs> because like Sonia and I are sending away our youngest, and uh, the cooks are sending away their youngest to college. Like, so there's, there are a number of couples in the church that are like, well, my gosh, we're going to have no kids at home next year. And, and there are another couple of couples who are like, well, one more year from now, we're going to be in the same position. So we are all like, <sighs> do we feel happy about this? Do we feel sad about this? Here's what we feel about this: everything is about to change. Uh, everything is about. To, we have to renew, and it's been a common topic of conversation among us. It's like, well, how? How do you do this? You know, what? What are we going to do uh, exactly? Uh, Sony and I have been through. I mean, so much of that recently. I mean, this is our second child, and. Uh, We lost uh, my grandmother a couple years ago. She was living with us. Like our whole family is different. Uh, Maybe some of you are having those life changes that kind of bring you to a place of of renewal. Um, uh, My life, as I spoke (laughs) about a little bit last week, has been probably more unstable than most. Uh, I was trying to explain this to my Ohana group on Wednesday when we meet. Um, It's like... They were, we were talking about seasons of renewal that we've had in life. It's like my gosh, like every decade of my life has been an utter sea change, right? And when I was under ten, like I, I was, you know, I didn't even know if I was going to make it. I was a suicidal little kid. And then my teens were like, just like I never saw what was coming. And then in my twenties, I sort of got out into the real world, and and um, man. Uh, it felt like such an adventure. And then in the 30s, all of my dreams died. <laughs> Everything that I was working for, right? So I had to completely restart my life at age 35. Completely. Um, except for a few important things. You know? planning in Blue Water at 40, and now in my 50s. <sighs> <laughs> you people. <That's> right. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to finish. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to make it the old way. Um, 20s, 30s, and 40s, uh, Sonia and I planted churches in different places in entirely different contexts, And I was just kind of meditating upon, on, well, it's, it's weird. Uh, church planting is something that, that I guess God has called us to do. We planted one in our 20s. Maybe we planted one in college. We were part of a church plant, so I guess we were teens. And we planted another one in our 20s. Uh, when we were in grad student in Chicago. That was really different. Um, it's weird being 28 and the old person in the crowd, but the church is still there, doing great. And Then we moved to Boston in our 30s, got another, involved in another church plant, and then actually planted this one, accidentally planted this one, in our 40s. One mission, completely different contexts. And the reason I'm sharing that is. I wonder if that phrase will be powerful for some of you. One mission, one calling, but a whole series of different life contexts. And I wonder wonder if you're thinking about that a little bit, some of you. Like, how do I do the same thing now? How do I do the same thing here? How do I do the same thing now that my kids are gone? How do I do the same thing now that I have kids? Uh, Right? Um, But your call is your call, and the mission is the mission. Um, And, I don't know, fruitful for meditation. Here's my point! Mm -hmm. We'll close with this. To finish well, you have to develop the skill of change. And particularly what I'm talking about is the skill for intentional change. Now maybe there are some of you who haven't realized that life change is a skill. Right? It's a skill that you master. Maybe you've thought that life change is just something that happens to you, or maybe you think that life change is something to which you respond, something that you cope with. But I'm here to tell you this morning because I think Jesus said it first that Life change is a skill that you need to master. And you need to master it, particularly if you're going to make it the whole way. There'll be some times in life where you just realize, oh, I need to change a lot of stuff. And you can stumble your way through it, clumsily, and most people do it clumsily, right? Like, well, my life needs to change, so I will do something dramatic. I will, I'll move to Hawaii. Well, i move to Hawaii for different reasons. I know a little bit of your story. Um, but you just try something new in hopes that it will bring you the change you thirst for. And what I'm saying is, no, be better than that. Right? Select things that help you get the change you want. Right, select activities and, and disciplines. So it's a skill, and I think the skill has two parts. And the first part is situational awareness, uh, which is a term that, if you've been in either sports or the military, you probably know this term: situational awareness. Recognize the season of change when it comes upon you. You know what? I think I think God needs me to change some things. I, th- I think I think it's time. Right, and you just sort of develop that awareness my situation is shifting and or I need to shift my situation somehow. All right, so that's, that's one. And when that comes upon you, don't just let the change happen. Engineer it. Be intentional about what's changing. Take control to the degree that you can. Nobody's ever in total control. Um, um, and sometimes um, the guidance that God gives you in those moments of change might surprise you. Um, when Sonia uh, and I moved back to the island 20 years ago when we were pregnant with our first uh, child, um, that was a big change for us. And I was you know, praying frequently to God, like, well, what, what do I need to do to pull this off really well? As I had left one career and was kind of starting another, and we were about to have kids, and... Um, and uh, Sonia's father was really sick. That was part of the reason we moved back. And, um, and the Lord said to me, save money. Which was remarkable to me, because God had never told me to save money before in my life. He'd always told me to share my money, right? To be generous, which is sort of the Jesus default. You always want to share everything that you have. And so well, I worked hard to kind of be that kind of generous person. And the Lord said, no, no, like save money, save money. Uh, and so I did. Like, we didn't have much, but, you know, I put together this little nest egg, and then that sort of, there was, came a time when we needed to make a big purchase, and, and that was helpful. It surprised me, that advice. You know, this is a, a behavior that you need to change in order to pull off the next season, and I'm just telling you that story because that might be part of your conversation with God this week. It's like, oh, you want me to do this in order to handle what's coming? There are biblical examples of that as well, where... You know, uh, Joseph had Pharaoh store grains in silos for the coming lean years. Um, uh, Where Paul learned how to make tents uh, because he needed practical skill to become a missionary uh, in the book of Acts, and so on and so forth. So be situationally aware, and, and when it happens, listen. When it happens, plan, which brings up um, point number two, select the disciplines that were helpful for you. I asked my Ohana group, think of the times of greatest renewal in your life. What do you associate with those times? And everybody talked about spiritual disciplines. Prayer and uh, um, you know, word studies and sharing and confession uh, was one that popped up a lot. Choose the discipline that will get you what you want in life to get you the change that you want. Are you feeling grungy? You're feeling dirty. There's some things you need to let go of. I might suggest the discipline of confession to you. Like once a week, confess your sins to a trusted friend in your small group or a church or something like that. And that might not sound like much. Uh, it is so empowering. Yes. We do it at every Holy Spirit retreat, don't we? Those of you who've been, how how awesome is it? The circle of filth, we call it. There's a reason that that's been a Christian tradition for 2,000 years. And it's just kind of like a dose of reality and freedom. It always brings you freedom, uh, which is super powerful. Jesus uh, did fasting sometimes, like he did a 40-day fast before he started. And then the rest of his ministry, he famously did not do any fasting. And the religious experts got mad at him. But there's a time in his life where he needed to just sort of recommit and get every appetite out of the way in order to sharpen his appetite for the will of God. And food fasting is a great skill for that. Um, don't just do fasts that you used to do. Pray to, I mean, excuse me, don't just do disciplines you used to do. Ask God, well, what discipline is useful for me in this season of my life? Update. Because you're reinventing yourself a little bit. And that's one of the things that you can change up. Right? Disciplines are negotiable. Progress isn't. Here's my best tip. Um, Think it through. That's not fancy. That doesn't even sound particularly Christian. Is it a season of change in your life? Like, I mean, is this a big season of change? My guess would be that maybe for a third of you it is, uh, just because the state that the world is in. I'll do a survey. How many of you are feeling like, yeah, big big change? Big change. Looks like I was about right. I'm such a good senior pastor. It's just so good. All right. Think it through. How do you get the change you feel like the Lord needs to give you, right? What tool? Be intentional about it. This is a skill we must master for the long haul. Every once in a while, you got to change it up. Every once in a while, you got to go under the cocoon and come out a butterfly. Maybe not the best analogy, but a great icon of change. Uh, Every, uh, at the end of every Blue Water service, I usually pray over the crowd. And I say, Lord, change us all at least a little bit before we go, right? You've heard me say that a hundred times, those of you have been around. All right. We're always changing because we're always growing because we're just kids. Um, I want us to be people who master life change, who master life change. You're going to need it for the long haul. And the world needs it from you, right? The world needs to know how to do change purposefully and healthily. Because the world sucks at change. The world sucks at change. It flails about, and it doesn't violently, emotionally, and immaturely, destructively, and ultimately unsuccessfully. They change all the wrong things all the wrong things. And this is a way that we could be salt on the earth. This is a way that we could bring life to those people who crave life but just don't quite have the life skills that Jesus develops in us. So Father God, I do pray that you would change us all at least a little bit before we go. I pray, Father, uh, for some convictions and some messages uh, to be poured out uh, this morning. In Jesus' name.